Welcome to the journey of an aesthete, a comprehensive examination of all things aesthetic, the arts, the humanities, and what it means to be human. Welcome to the journey of an aesthete. This is Mitch Hampton, and I am recording this solo episode. And if you recall, if you've been with our show from the beginning, uh, my very first show was without guests, was a, was a solo episode. And I quoted Hegel, and I, and I said, after all, one must begin. And uh, with this show, I say one must continue, um, uh, even, even uh, after 2020, especially after 2020, one might add. Um, uh, I'm not a public affairs uh, expert or spokesperson, and... Um, you don't need me to tell you uh, that 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 as a year it was um, uh, well. I'll just say that uh, many people feel that it's best that's behind us, and um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, um, uh, we we can only be looking up. Um, although, alas, and the lack, not even that is assured. But I continue with this podcast. And I'm recording this at my uh, Steinway piano, which is the one room, well, not room, one furniture in, in, in my home at which I am most comfortable. I'm not in an easy chair. I'm not in a, in a, in a, in a uh, sofa. I'm not doing this from my bed, although I like the idea of that, actually. Um, kind of like writing in bed, you know. Um, no, I'm at, at my piano, and um, when I do a lot of my shows, when I'm interviewing guests, actually, I'm usually at this piano, so I'm, I sit at it for many hours without touching it, and without disrupting, interrupting the guests. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a little bit, a little bit of piano. I've been writing this piece of music for eight months during this pandemic, called um, All Dressed Up and No Place to Go, which is a fairly uh, transparent <laughs> um, and autobiographical account of, of, of uh, one aspect of my life, you might say, in the title. And, and um, I'm not going to, it's a long piece, and I, you know, one of these days I'm going to unveil it uh, properly, you know, if I ever have a venue or an opportunity for that. But I'm just going to play a few minutes from the last movement, um, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk a little bit about my life, um, mainly because of my January post. If you look at the blog post, I uh, get a little more uh, personal in my comments. I'll always be philosophical. I'm always, you know, no matter how um, emotional I may get in these shows and how uh, personal or conversational, or even casual, I might get, I will always, uh, because it's a conviction of mine, I'll always maintain what I call a philosophical uh, orientation, by which I mean um, a maximum amount of curiosity about the world, uh, or open-mindedness, although, like a, a grandparent's uh, slogan from the past, not so open that your brain falls out, um, an attempt to start from a position 
of meeting the world halfway, at least. Not, not, not all the way, not totally, because you have to retain your own. Um, there are things in the self that might be in opposition to a lot of the world, or if not only in opposition, at least a little alien from the world. And you might want to retain that to retain a sense of the you or who you are. But, and this is a big but, not only open-mindedness, but a, but a, but a sense that there's a, um, uh, that, that it's a philosophic approach is uh, not having a lot, too many conclusions, being curious, and some would say it's, it's akin to um, a stance of love. Some might say that. Um, no matter what. But I've talked too much about all that. I'm just going to play a little music and come back and uh, talk about recent events that have occurred uh, in my life since, oh, 2017 or so. All right, here it goes.
That's a, uh, a uh, brief excerpt of the third movement. And, you know, I could talk a little bit about that. It's, um, it's in keeping with my hard listening concept. That's something I came up with in 2013 when I was living in Boston and I was just really, I just wanted to really, and I don't know why, I wanted to put all these ideas, philosophic ideas about music and popular music and uh, into into kind of an, a style that was very self-conscious. And um, I don't want to talk too much about it, but, you know, I really... Uh, I've been working working with these ideas for for many years now, and um, this is the latest, uh, you know, our incarnation of, of that. And I'm I am interested in blending uh, contrast, dramatic contrasts uh, of styles, and, and music that I personally love and have studied deeply will come out. And so, what I just did there was largely written. There was very little improv improvisation. I think there was. Um, there's a few measures in the, in the in the presto section up front that are that are improvised, and I took some liberties, but only a few measures. Most of that is is is, is most of that is written. Um, to conclude this solo episode, I will play something totally free and improvised, just for just for fun. And you know. Uh, when I do something free and improvise, it's going to have a lot of things in it that might sound premeditated, preset, preplanned, because that's what's in me. And that's what's going to come out, like popular things or things that are familiar. You know, if I'm going to improvise, I'm not going to ever play anything ex nihilo. You know, without any, without anything that I haven't practiced or haven't worked on. Even if it comes from the heart. So having said all of that, I think it's time uh, to get a little personal. Now, I did write this post in January, and I'm recording this, by the way, in December. So I'm actually pre-recording it before it'll be released or hit or drop or whatever the term they're using now. And um, I'm under the spell of having just seen this movie, Mac, by David Fincher. And I'm also reading a lot. I'm reading more Isaiah Berlin, believe it or not, back to him. There's a play coming out with uh, Vanessa Redgrave uh, about the famous meeting, mystical encounter between the poet uh, Anna Ekmaktoba and Isaiah Berlin in 1945 in Russia. They had this mystical meeting he traveled all the way back, you know, back home to Russia to meet her, and they they spent a night together. That's uh, been well, they're doing plays about it because it's a very. And I don't want to talk too much about it, but it's the blending of intellect and passion, and it's really spiritual. And this encounter really made an impression on on Berlin, and it was in 1945. And just because he visited her, she was, I think. It was an uh, impetus for Stalin to persecute her even more because I guess he was considered the enemy because he, you know, uh, you know, was not a communist. And, you know, he was a, you know, he, Berlin's politics are, you know, he, he was very fond of both Jack Kennedy and Franklin Roosevelt, even though he lived in Britain. 
and he was a, he was a true liberal. And um, but that that would have been suspect, you know. They would they wouldn't have liked that. Um, but she she understood him, and they had this meeting. Anyhow, the play I think is called "The Heart Is Not a Stone." I think that's the title, and I I don't have it. I'm doing this all from memory. I don't have the author's name in front of me, but investigate that. So I'm under the spell of this this movie, and this movie just knocked me out. Now. Why did it knock me out? Is it the most truthful movie ever made about 30s Hollywood? No, it isn't. But it gets something, so it gets, first of all, it's extraordinarily beautiful, the black and white photography. And Gary Oldman is a screenwriter, and Amanda Siegfried as this actress is just so beautiful. And the dialogue, and just it's so well done. You know, this thing was made in 2020, or 2019, or just made in, in the midst of all this horror, and David Fincher and, the, and, and, and everybody decided to make a beautiful, glamorous movie about a, a, you know, an alcoholic writer who still has integrity trying to write the best script he can write. It's about artistic creation. It's about what it is to make something. That's the subject of the film. The film is not about Citizen Kane or Wells. And words, it's not about whether we should like them or not like them. It's about the nature of creation. And the other thing I like about the movie is I'm always railing against presentism. Now, I have to be very clear here. Presentism is we all are presentist. You are, I am. We live in the present moment. It's impossible to not have a prejudice, a sensibility. You can't remove yourself from the sensibility in which you live. So to go, you can't go to another era, and I'm just going to throw off every assumption I have now, moral or otherwise, or political, and just look at things completely uh, from the point of view of a life I've never lived. That, that's impossible. But this is the tricky thing in art, especially art about the past. I really admire artworks that attempt to, as much as possible, overcome presentism and try to really imagine in an act of empathy a world very different than the present world. And this film does this. I mean, this film has the feeling of the 30s. I mean, when you see George S. Kaufman and Ben Hecht uh, talking about a script, and Amanda Siegfried is literally like a Marion Davies. She's like a star of that era in every respect. It's really remarkable. And that's not something that every, and, you know, many actresses can even do. Because to do that, you do have to give up something it seems to me you don't have to just... So it isn't just a matter of finding what's common between the present and the past. In other words, that, that, that's not sufficient. You do have to sort of transform, I think. I could be wrong about this. And you have to meet the past halfway. And this film meets the past halfway. It, it looks at the... It, looks, it presents, I think, 30s Hollywood with an understanding of what people in that milieu would have felt and thought, not the what we think. This is my big criticism of, of Mad Men, not to get on the soapbox, I mean, which is a, otherwise a good series. But, and it's not my point, it's Daniel Mendelssohn's point in, in the New York Times Book Review in his um, essay, The Mad Men Account, is that Mad Men, Mad Men in every minute of that series is always giving you a 2020 perspective on the mid-60s um, in a very conscious way. I think I think what he said in that article was that it's the perspective of the children. You're actually getting Peggy and Don Draper. You're getting their 
the children's eye view of what's going on, which, of course, is more of a contemporary view. Now, that's not bad. Again, some of the greatest movies ever made are unabashedly anachronistic. So Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette is purposely wrong. You know, it has rock songs in it, and, and it's just... Um, the spirit of it is, is just really, that's really quite a work of genius. Or Kelly's Heroes, where you have Donald Sutherland playing a hippie in World War II. It's absurd, but it's, 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 supposed, it's purposefully presentist. In other words, it's purposeful. The people that made Kelly's Heroes is what will have, have the general in World War II have long hair and talk about bad vibes. It's a, it's a, del- it's a hard thing to do. I mean, it's similar to what I do in my music, because, you know, in my music, I'm always putting things, I'm trying to often trying to create the effect of uh, eroding time or eclipsing time. Not that that I think time is unreal. I do think time is is partly real. I also think it's an illusion. I think the metaphysicians that that talk about how time really isn't real all the way down are correct. It's a convention, and it's useful for some things, and it's useless for other things, you know. But um, I didn't mean to go on and on, but I was really inspired by this film, this black, beautiful black and white movie about 30s Hollywood and, um, and, and corruption versus integrity, and it, there's socialism in it. I mean, you could say that's very contemporary because that's on people's minds, but the film is about, after all, um, Upton Sinclair, who, who was a socialist running for uh, governor of California in the 30s, and so it's, it's not totally uh, out of, um, not on point. Anyhow, I've said too much about that. But, you know, I want to say a few words about the guests on my show. Uh, I've been doing this show now for a year, I think, over a year. And every single guest that's on my show is totally unique. And I get so excited. And this is going to sound very cornball. But if I have a, an appointment with a, with a guest, I am so excited like suspenseful, so, you know, like the kind of excitement, like I think great things are going to happen because I want to hear their stories. I, I'm excited to hear what they're going to say. And I don't care a whit whether what, they, what they're going to say is something I'm going to like or not or agree with or not. Um, I'm just interested in having the space that they could come in, whoever they are and whatever they've done, by the way, because I have all kinds of people on my show, from, from the famous to the... To the uh, I don't think I've had the infamous yet, maybe, maybe I don't know, and, or the uh, unknown. doesn't matter. They're all, in a sense, in that sense, equal. Um, because they have something to say. And I'm interested in them having their say without me or... And I, I suppose that I don't always live up to this because I have my own opinions. I've got my own, of course, I have my own biases that will come through. But without me or somebody else, you know, interrupting that flow. So what happened is uh, right before I started this podcast with uh, Laurie Jill Strickland, uh, who is just an extraordinary person, I wouldn't be doing any of this if she, if she, you know, if I did not know her. That's a whole other story, but um, and it's a good story. But um, I don't want to get too far afield. But creating something, making something like this podcast, is a lot of hard work. And I did this at one of the most um, 
you might say, not inopportune, but unlikely of times. I mean, in in 20, what was it? Yeah, 2017, um, I had a, jo- a job, a 35-plus-year job position with the family business uh, that my father had started and my mom. And my father died, and the, the business ran into tr- deep trouble unbeknownst to me. I did not know about this. That's another thing that was cut from me. And then this weird company took it over and just fired me. I know I was, I was told I wasn't supposed to say that word or put it that way, but I'll be a little blunt and say it was fired. I didn't know where I was going to go and what I was going to do, so that happened. Um, and so then I had to, I had to move out. Of, I had my house. I lost my house. I had to go into this little apartment where they didn't let me practice the piano. So I had to rent a space to practice because I'd always been able to, to play piano without disturbing a lot of people. And in this case, I, uh, you know, I was in this apartment and my neighbors didn't want me. And they didn't want me practicing at noon during the day. They were complaining. I purposely said, I'm not going to do it at night. It was a whole mess. And you know what I did? I rented a studio space. And I recorded my hard listening album, my second one. I rented a studio space and I said, I'm going to start practicing even more that I can't practice. And I go in there for hours creating these compositions. And I started doing uh, piano recitals in Boston in 2016, 17. But then, you know, that got disrupted. I ended up here in Weaverville, North Carolina. I'd love to do a whole show on, on the cultural differences in that. But in the midst of all this, I got a diagnosis from a, from a psychologist of autism. Or as she referred to it, uh, Asperger's syndrome. Now, I don't know if you've ever taken this, this psych test. It's the most rigorous, sometimes laborious, ego-shattering, uh, humbling, uh, honesty-inducing test you could take. Because it's, it's, it's designed by scientists over many years. And you, they look at reflexes. They look at you, the first things that come to your mind perception, association, cultural knowledge, a little bit of literacy, IQ is part of it, um, motor skills. It's like a 15, 16-hour test. You do it in two days. And I, I got into my head to take this test because I always knew that I had problems in the world and problems with people. I know I can play the piano. I know I can think. I know I can write. I know, I, I hope I can be a good friend, I can be honest, um, but those alone are, are, are woefully insufficient. <laughs> I've learned at age 50 or 49, or, or, or they're important, but uh, necessary, but insufficient, right? I don't know. But I, I knew I always had these problems. And so I took this test, and lo and behold, I get this diagnosis. Well, uh, the doctor that, that delivered this test had had great compassion. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what I got, but the list of people that have it is really um, quite a diverse bunch. I mean, I understand Bill Murray, someone said, uh, Dan Aykroyd, 
Bill Gates, David Byrne, um, so Danica Gray, Daryl Hannah, uh, there's a whole bunch of people, Robin Williams, the late Robin Williams, and then historically Vladimir, Vladimir Nabokov, uh, some, some theorize Emily Dickinson. Anyhow, it's Albert Einstein. It's not a bad list of people. Um, on the other hand, what's in a name? What's in a label? Here I, here I go getting philosophic. Sorry. Indulge me. Um, so what I, what I would say is that what's in a label is a lot and a little. It depends on what you're looking at. So I think that this this term that was coined for what I have is is real in the sense that it exists. It describes something about me that may or may not be important. But it's not, it's not, of course it's not all of me. And uh, I think that that applies to anything that anybody has, or even indeed anybody is. But I think, I think, I, I think identity is a mystery. And it occurs to me, you know, we're entering a new year, and we all want this year to be hopefully better than last year, although that's not hard to do. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not hard to get it. As I said at the, at the beginning of our show, it's not hard to, to, to go up from, from, from that. Um, that's a, that's a, we could do a whole show on the nature of evil uh, and, and collective evil and, and, and corruption. And, and there's a lot we could talk about, but that's not the kind of show. I don't, I'm, this is an art show. And I'm not doing a politics show. Um, although politics is important. Um, but, you know, I had to rethink about my entire life when I got this diagnosis. And so since 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, we're in 2021, I have all these memories about my past. I dream about my, my past, also because I've been alone for so many months because of the virus. I've been really isolated from people to a degree I've never had never been before in my life with the possible exception of a few years in childhood. And so I've had a lot of time to think about everything that I've done, experienced, seen, felt, heard. And it's all the exact same material. I discuss this in my post. I say the events are the same. I'm the same person. But I'm looking at them in a completely different way. And that, to me, is very exciting. It's, it's hard to explain. It's almost like a form of growth. I really do think it's a form of growth. I don't know. I, you know I, it's, it sounds trite, I know. Um, but I, and I think that through a newer understanding, that will lead to further understandings. And that, in turn, will lead to even more understandings, revisions, the revisions. Um, and that's what a human self is. I say, I say, what does it mean to be human? Um, I mean, I know I, I, I agree with George K. Tab. That's why I had him on my show. I, I, I think that dignity exists. And I think it's real. And there's equality in that. As he says in his book, it's unearned. Just showing up, you have it, which is beautiful. Um, some people are threatened by that. They, they, don't, they, they want to exclude certain people. They, they have a lot of That's a whole... That could be a kind of evil, but um, but in general, I know that about people, but there's a lot of things about people, I got to tell you, and myself, I just don't know. I haven't the faintest, foggiest idea.
And it doesn't mean I'm not going to try or, or work at it. But we're, we're an eternal mystery. And um, make no mistake, if you, if you think that you have us all figured out, uh, you, should, you should have a second thought about that. Because I don't, I, don't think that, I don't think it quite works like that. And then, of course, understanding isn't always the point. There's direct experience, raw experience, which art comes from, partly comes from. And there's a, and we, we have experience, and there's consciousness. And that will continue, just like this podcast hopefully will continue. I remember uh, for many years, in the, especially in the, in the 90s, uh, I used to get at the end of the year these wrap-ups. I didn't know what they were. I asked a friend of mine, because in my, I guess my autistic cluelessness, I'm like, what are these awful things people are send, sending me in the mail with them with their grandkids and their family all around it, they seem very corporate to me and not very, uh, they just seem sort of sort of canned and, and kind of not very, I guess they were genuine, but they were just so corny. And, and this person said to me, well, Mitch, that's called a New Year's wrap-up, you know? And I thought, oh, that's what, I, need, I always hated those things. Um, I, I just, I, I never liked, uh, I don't know why, maybe, I don't know if I would hate them now the same way. Um, so you might call you might I might consider this our podcast wrap up, but it's it's you know not an ordinary wrap up. Um, but I just want to say that uh, I look forward to that next guest that we have with the same excitement um, as the first guest, and I know that whoever it is, I know it will be as exciting, and it'll never to me anyway never lose interest for me. I've talked enough. I. Not so crazy about these solo shows, why I have to talk, I have to say. But before I say goodbye, I'm going to play a little music. Don't know what it's going to be. It'll be something, and hopefully it'll be short. So...
I don't like saying goodbye, but uh, have to do it eventually. So thank you um, for joining me for this solo episode. And next episode, we'll have a guest. Thank you. I hope uh, I hope this new this new year uh, has some good in it. Thank you. I don't like goodbyes, so I'll see you soon, folks. Thank you. Mm-hmm.